I want to speak to you today about the key to confidence, the key to confidence, and we're going to be looking uh, at a passage in Colossians 1, Colossians 1, and uh, that's on page 1192 of the Blue Bibles, and it'll be on the screens behind me. So we start at verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things on heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So I want to talk today about the key to confidence. And confidence is key. Confidence makes a massive difference to your life. It changes how you carry yourself, whether you see opportunities which come your way in the workplace, in relationships, whether you make the most of them. It changes how you face challenges. And it helps you to persevere when you're under pressure. And I think all of us would like to have a bit more confidence. And maybe all of us have faced situations where we've lacked confidence. I wonder what it is that has robbed your confidence at times. I can still remember when I was uh, going through... Uh, A full-on period when I was working as a a criminal barrister, uh, defending people accused of crimes. There were a number of cases which came together which were all quite uh, difficult and complex. And there was a lot of pressure attached to them. And the pressure started to build day in, day out, day in, day out. And then suddenly, and this had never happened to me before, I started to wake up in the middle of the night. And I'd be there, 2 o'clock in the morning, sat up in bed, looking around in the dark, thinking... Is this going to be okay? Is it going to be all right? Is it actually going to work out? I could feel a lack of confidence. I feel like that fear that I might fail spectacularly had robbed my confidence. You might have felt that when you're in a, in a doctor's surgery, waiting for a diagnosis, or when... A relationship in which you've put all your hope feels like it's falling apart. Or when there's someone you really like, but you're just not sure that they like you too. You can feel like you lack confidence. And actually confidence is far more than um, just feeling better about yourself. The word confidence means to be full of faith, to have great faith. And it has to attach to something It doesn't exist on its own. You have to have confidence in something or someone. And one of the key questions in life is who or what are you going to anchor your confidence in? Is it going to be your external circumstances, your wealth, your connections, your relationships, your career, your abilities, or your gifts, or your skill set? What deserves you? placing your confidence in it. Who deserves you placing your confidence in it? 
And actually, Paul writes this letter to a church which had been started by a few people, most likely, who heard him uh, preach at Ephesus. And then it had just grown in people's homes in Colossae. And now they had started to face a real challenge. People were lacking confidence. The influence of the culture, the different values of people around them, and the critical opinions of others were starting to undermine their confidence in who Jesus Christ is and the difference that makes for their lives. Now thinking maybe Jesus isn't all I'd hoped he would be. Maybe he's a good place to start, but he's not sufficient. He's not enough for me to build my life upon. Maybe you need Jesus and other things. And we can face that today. Lots of our world seems to exist without Jesus being at the center. And people we care about, people we love, friends, colleagues, family seem to build their lives, place their confidence in lots of other things. And we can be tempted to kind of hedge our bets, to say, well, I'll do a little bit of Jesus, but I'll put my confidence in other things as well. Maybe Jesus isn't enough on his own, so I'll have these other things as well. And Paul's answer to this challenge that they were facing and we face is completely and utterly emphatic. It's a reminder of who Jesus actually is. He wants them, he wants us to be captivated again by the wonder, the majesty, the awesome reality of who Jesus is and the difference that makes for every one of our lives, for the whole of our lives. Confidence is key. And in this passage we see that the key to confidence is to be found in Jesus Christ. So the first thing Paul says is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. This passage is all about Jesus. In just five verses, Jesus is referred to 14 times. And if you want to increase your confidence today, if you're facing something which is robbing your confidence, if you feel that need to boost your confidence, you've been unsettled by something that's happened to you, a challenge you're facing or something that someone said, the solution isn't to put your head in the sand. It's not to just pretend that everything's okay. Paul says the solution is to fix your eyes afresh on Jesus, to refocus on Jesus, to remind yourself who Jesus actually is. Because sometimes we lose sight of that. Or it might be actually, we just don't know. uh, One of my great friends from university actually became a Christian a year after he left university. And I was so excited about this, I gave him a Bible to read. And I'll never forget, a few weeks later he phoned me up and he was just buzzing on the phone. He'll say, Steve, I've started reading the Bible, it's so exciting, I'm loving it. You will never guess what's just happened. And I said, I said, what, what, what's just happened? He said, you won't believe it, Steve. Jesus grows up. I said, said, what do you mean? He said, he doesn't stay as a baby in a manger. He grows up into an adult and he's doing all kinds of crazy things. I mean, he, my mate was a super bright guy, much cleverer than me, but no one had told him Jesus grows up. He just didn't know. And sometimes you just don't know. And I was kind of on the other end of the phone thinking, just listening to this wonder in his voice, thinking, how complacent have I become about what Jesus who Jesus is and what he's done? Heard a story about Michelangelo, one of the great uh, one of the great Renaissance painters, one of the masters of his age. And 
a person who painted the Sistine Chapel in Rome. And one of his contemporaries called Raphael. And Raphael had uh, painted, actually, a little picture of Jesus. And um, I'll just try and do my best impression of this. Uh, so he, I think it was something like this. And he definitely had arms. And uh, he painted a, a picture of, of Jesus, Raphael, also one of the great painters of history. And, uh, and he said to Michelangelo, would you come and look at my work? And so we're, actually one afternoon, and, and Raphael wasn't there in his uh, studio, Michelangelo came by and he looked at this painting of Jesus and he just wrote one word, he took a paintbrush and wrote one word right across the canvas. Amplius, amplius, amplify, larger, greater. It's like, Raphael, your painting's good as far as it goes. There's nothing wrong with it, but amplify. If you're going to communicate the greatness, the awesomeness of Jesus Christ, it needs to be bigger. It's not going to be contained by your little canvas, your little impression of him. And sometimes we need to expand, to amplify to enlarge our understanding, our idea of who Jesus is. We need to grow it. Paul says here, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The image, the icon, the imprint, the exact representation of who God is. God is pleased all his fullness, all the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. He's the exact representation of God. Jesus wasn't just a great religious teacher, not just a helpful spiritual guide or a wise life coach or a holy guy who did some really fascinating things. He is the invisible God made visible. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And the early church declared Jesus is Lord at a time where that, that, that word was the Greek translation of the Hebrew name for God. Saying Jesus is God. And they were willing to declare that at a time when the Roman Empire, under whose authority they were, was saying, no, 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 the only person who is Lord is Caesar. You say Jesus is Lord, it's dangerous. No one's above Caesar. But they knew. That there was one who was greater, who had more authority, more power than Caesar. And they were willing to declare it at the risk of death. Jesus is Lord. He is above all. He is the king of all creation. He's before all things. He's above every power in this world. He's above every ruler, every authority, all things. I just wonder um, who, you, who you think if you have a little think about it, who you think the most powerful person is in the world today? Uh, Xi Jinping, who's the uh, leader of China, maybe. Um, Angela Merkel, maybe. Donald Trump, maybe. It might be someone else. Simon Cowell, I don't know. But no matter who you think that person might be, their authority, their power is nothing compared to Jesus. Uh, Lena Brezhnev was the, the leader of the Soviet Union, one of the largest atheist empires the world has ever seen. Influence stretching across the whole globe. At his behest was the, one of the largest and most powerful armies 
ever in the history of the world. Ruled it for 18 years. One of the most powerful people of the whole of the 20th century. And at his funeral, there was all the pomp and the ceremony that you would expect to celebrate the greatness of this man's power. Armies marching past, missiles, tanks, processions of dignitaries and leaders from around the world. And George Bush Sr., who was there attending as the then Vice President of the United States, had was watching what was happening. And just as they were about to lower the lid of Brezhnev's coffin, Brezhnev's wife stepped forward suddenly and made a sign of the cross over his dead body. It doesn't matter how powerful people are in the world's eyes, what authority they wield, how high their position, how great their might Every single person is going to have to come before the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ and come face to face with Jesus Christ and they are going to have to bow the knee because Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. He is Lord. And that matters. It matters when you see injustice in this world. It matters when you face the injustice of institutions. When you start to perceive the unjust structures which have risen up in this world. It matters that Jesus is Lord when powerful people are doing evil things. It matters when you're trying to make sense of what's happening in the world. When you see things that cause you to question your faith. Jesus is Lord. He died for this world. He died for me. He died for you. He died for this world. And he's not going to give up on it. He has shed his blood on the cross to reconcile it to God. He's not giving up. Evil will not ultimately triumph. Jesus is the victor. He is the Lord of all. And he has all the authority of heaven and all the time in the universe to make it right. And he will. He will. But it also matters in our day to day. So relevant to every one of us here for every day of our lives. Might be that you're uh, facing something at the moment. Difficult decision, a challenge, an opportunity. You need advice, you need counsel. You need to phone someone. Who do you phone? Do you phone a friend? Someone who understands you, who cares about you, who's for you, who's guaranteed to be sympathetic and empathetic? Maybe you could phone that person. Or do you phone someone in a position of authority? Who knows your sector? Who knows your industry? Who knows the dynamics that are at play? And more than that, has the power to do something about it. Maybe you could just picture those two people. Who would you phone in a crisis? Would you phone your friend? Maybe you just want to put your hand up if you phone your friend. You'd want the sympathetic, empathetic voice. That's it. Just put your hand up if that's you. Okay. Thank you. Maybe you'd want to phone the person in authority. Put your hand up if that's where you'd, you'd make your call. Brilliant. Put your hand up if you don't like putting your hand up in church. <laughs> but it's difficult, isn't it? Because we kind of want to do both. It's funny though, because in all the years I worked as a, a barrister, you know, representing people accused of crimes, I've got a, a wonderful brother and he's, he's one of my best friends, he's guaranteed to be empathetic, but I never phoned him with a work crisis, because he's not an expert in the criminal justice system. Well, actually, having said that, um, <laughs> he's got some experience of it, but he's not an expert and he doesn't have any authority to do anything about it. Who do you phone? What if you didn't have to choose? 
What if there was someone who walked in your shoes, who understood you inside out, who knew and sympathized with exactly what you're going through, and yet understands your world, your sector, your industry, your family, the relational dynamics even better than you do, and has the authority, the power to change things? What if you could phone that person? And you know, you have a direct line to the Lord Jesus Christ who knew you before one of your days came to be sees everything knows the end from the beginning and has the power to change things Jesus is Lord and when you see that no matter what you're facing it grows your confidence Jesus is Lord but also Paul wants to say Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. The word all is used in this passage nine times in five verses. Again and again, as Paul tries to enlarge our understanding, our idea of who Jesus Christ is. He says, Jesus is preeminent over all creation. In him, all things are created. All things are created through him and for him, so that in all things he might have the supremacy. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. He died to reconcile all things. All. Jesus isn't just the Lord of a bit of this world, or a certain group. Or just Lord of one nation or one ethnicity or one area of life. He's not just Lord of spiritual things. He's not just Lord of one day of the week. He's Lord of all. He created all things. He sustains all things. All things are for him. And that's so important because we can tend to divide up areas of our life and our minds. Like these are the areas of my life that Jesus is interested in. These are the things that he might be concerned about. These are the things that he might be Lord of. You know, whether I go to church, whether I read the Bible, whether I pray. But all the rest... I'm just not sure he's that interested in it. I'm certainly not sure he's Lord of it. It doesn't feel that way. You can feel like it, it's not the case. It's a little bit like this, if we could just drop the lights. It's a little bit like this. You, um, you're here on a Sunday, and you're surrounded by people who seem to believe this stuff. And you think, yeah, Jesus is Lord. I can believe that. I can buy that. That gives me confidence. He's here. He's Lord. Okay, he's interested in this area of my life. I feel that as I worship, as I pray, as I'm surrounded by all of you. But then you can kind of go into your week and it can feel a little bit like you're on your own. Like when you're on the train or the tube on the Monday morning, someone's armpit is in your face. Is Jesus Lord in this situation? You know, when you've got a difficult meeting with a colleague, you're having to negotiate with a difficult client or a difficult boss or a difficult toddler, or a difficult teenager, you can start to think, is Jesus Lord here? For me, when I, when I sat there at two o'clock in the morning, is Jesus Lord? Not just Lord on Sunday, but Lord now at two o'clock in the morning when it's dark, and I feel very alone, and I feel on my own, and I'm not sure it is going to be okay at work. Is he Lord in my workplace? Is he Lord in the courtroom? Is he Lord in the doctor's surgery when I'm waiting for the results? doesn't always feel like it. Is he Lord when that relationship in which I put all my hope feels like it's falling apart? Why wouldn't they text me back? Is he Lord? 
And then maybe we go to a connect group or, or Alpha on, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday and we feel, okay, yeah, I'm, I, I can kind of see how here. I, I get this now. Okay, yeah, I'm surrounded with a few people again. feels like he might be Lord. And maybe you understand a little bit of the fact that Jesus gives us his spirit to live in us. And so you could think, okay, well, well it might not feel that way, but at least I've, I've got a help. I've got a guide as I go around. And you can, but, but still it feels a little bit like, if we're honest, like we're finding our way in the dark. Doesn't necessarily feel like Jesus is Lord. But do you know the truth is, however you feel, however it seems to you, Jesus is Lord of all. 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 Every inch of this world, every nation, every city, every community, every place, every, every company in this city, every school, every university, everywhere you go, he is Lord. There's not one inch of this universe that doesn't cry out, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of it all. Wherever you go, whatever you face, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of all. Wherever you are. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the resurrected king. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And he is Lord. And you can tell that to your heart when you feel anxious, when you feel like your confidence is being robbed. Jesus is Lord. That's what I had to do. Jesus is Lord. I might be up at two in the morning. Jesus is Lord. I might be in the doctor's surgery. Jesus is Lord. It might be going bad and I can't see how it's going to get better. Jesus is Lord. You don't just have to listen to your heart. You can preach to your heart. You can tell your heart. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. But there's something else which is so important, absolutely crucial for your life. There are times when I'd be like, okay, Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is Lord of all. But then if I thought about it for a moment, I thought, but maybe Jesus isn't Lord of me. And thinking about it, all includes me. Like, Jesus isn't just Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of me. Is Jesus Lord of me? And actually, that's both greatly challenging and highly encouraging. It's so encouraging because it means Jesus created you. He thought you up. He saw you before one of your days came to be. Your personality, your mind, your eyes, your smile, your passions, your whole being, your your heartbeat, your breath. Every one of your 37.2 billion cells are sustained by right now by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are held together in him. And that's amazing because that means you matter. Every bit of you matters to Jesus Christ. It means that he has a purpose for your existence. It means that you're never on your own. Jesus is intimately involved in every area of your life. And in my experience, there's a key shift that happens when you go from Jesus is Lord of all to saying Jesus is Lord of me. Because if he's my Lord, I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to respond to his voice. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. I'm even going to bow the knee to him. And that can seem a bit hard. It can seem challenging. It might seem there's a cost to it. Let me give an example. Uh, my, my, my ultimate boss is here. 
at HCB are actually uh, Nikki and Pippa Gumble. And actually everything I do or say here is ultimately under their authority. And uh, it's worth saying, of course, that they're the best bosses you could uh, ever wish for. Um, they're absolutely amazing bosses. If you're listening to this, Nick and Pippa, it's appraisal season. I'd just like you to know you're thoughtful, you're inspiring, you're encouraging, you're generous, you're selfless. It's true, actually. They're, they're awesome. But because they're such great bosses, and because actually they've become great friends, and because I love what I'm doing here so much, it's fun, it's inspiring, it's uh, just a real joy, I can forget that they actually are my bosses and I actually am under their authority. But then, once in a blue moon, um, maybe once a year, they ask me to do something that I don't actually want to do. You know, I, maybe I just think that's not such a good idea. I don't want to spend my time doing that. I'm not sure that's a good idea. I'm not sure I agree with that. And it's when that happens, it's a little bit like a test. Am I actually under their authority? Or am I just happy to go along so long as it suits me and I agree with it? And the thing is, actually, it really benefits me because if, if I'm under their authority, there's a real security in that. I feel like I have the benefit of all their wisdom, their insight, their experience. I feel so secure in that place. And you know, one of the other great joys of, of my life, actually, is uh, to consider Jesus Christ as a friend. And I love 99% of what Jesus asked me to do, what he calls me to do. But sometimes... He asked me to do something I don't really want to do. Or he asked me not to do something I really want to do. And then it's a little bit like a test. Like, is he just a mate? Or is he my Lord? And sometimes it's like we want to say, come in, Jesus, as my friend, but stay out as my Lord. But that just doesn't work. It's a little bit like me saying, come in, Nikki, stay out, Gumble. It just, <laughs> just doesn't work. Jesus is Lord. And actually, those times I've found where there's a cost or an obedience, where it's a challenge, they're actually the key times in my life. Sometimes Jesus says no. But how you respond to a no tells you far more about your character than how you respond to a yes. Some of the kindest words Jesus has ever spoken to me have sounded like no's, but they've opened the door to a far better yes. And I wonder if you're facing things like that today. I have. There was a time when I was being encouraged to get baptised, public declaration of my faith. I didn't want to do it. So I came up with all these excuses. I said to my pastor in Oxford where I was studying, I said, oh, I'd love to do it, but I don't think my mates can make it across from Luton. So I think it'd be a bit complicated. I said to my pastor in Luton, yeah, I don't think I can do it here either because it's a long way from Oxford to Luton. And I don't really want to get married in like, El- get married? I don't want to get baptised in like Ellsbury in the middle. That's not going to work. Um, and, and, but I was just making excuses. And eventually I did get baptised in Oxford. And actually the guys from Luton, they got on a bus and they came. It's one of the most amazing days of my life. It's another time when I was at uni, someone challenged me. They said, Steve, I think you need to get your drinking under control. Maybe you should give up alcohol for a time. I said, I'd love to do that personally for me, um, but I'm not sure it would be a great witness to my friends because all my friends don't go to church, they're not Christians, and if they see me not drinking, they'll think you have to give up alcohol to become a Christian. I don't want to put that barrier in place for them to come to faith. So while I'd love to do it 
out of, out of you know, benefit for them, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> and my friend looked at me and he said, Steve, is that really the reason you're not going to give alcohol for a term? And so I gave it up. It was an amazing witness to my friends. I think more friends came to church that term than any other. And there's been times when I had to get my finances sorted. I've been challenged about that, how much I'm giving. And it, was a bit, it hurt a bit. I had to, there was a cost to it. But I knew I had to get it in line. It was a time when I really felt Jesus was prompting me to be bolder in my workplace about my faith, to start inviting people to things. I didn't really want to do that. It felt risky. It felt like stepping out of my comfort zone. But I tell you, I did it, and there was fruit that came of that. And I regret a number of things in my life, but I have never regretted any time that out of recognition of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my life, I've been obedient to his voice. I've never regretted that. You know, it changes things. And when, when Jesus is Lord of your life, it gives you great confidence. You can trust him. And actually the Holy Spirit comes in and makes it easier. He starts to shape you, empower you, aligns your desires and hopes with Jesus. And you start to live in such a way you can't help but bring glory to the name of Jesus. You know, And you can know that whatever you do this week, wherever you are, whatever challenge you face, wherever you have to go, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of this universe. He is Lord of that place. He is Lord of your life. And you, you, know, you can know there is no inch of this city which is outside the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You can be confident because he's your Lord. He's taken hold of your life. And that means he's taken hold of it for a purpose. And when Jesus has taken hold of your life, he ain't going to let go of you. You can have confidence in him because he's your Lord. He's for you. He's not against you. And he promises wherever you are this week, he will be with you and helping you by his spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Bear Grylls. My favorite way to start the day, the Bible in one year. That's how wild I am. Find out more at BibleInOneYear.org or download the Bible in One Year app.